Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Welcome, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast. The Hi. Pod- Hi, the podcast. <laughs> I've never done that before. I know, yeah, you fucking <laughs> doing. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Putting the cult into rugby's cultural Marxism since 2015. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Because that's what we said, are. You, we did, did, you, did say, you did say putting cult, right? I did say putting cult. Other yeah. people may take a different view. <laughs> anyway, I'm Lee. Hello. Yes. And over there is... Presumptuous Hi. introducing himself too early. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm Josh, and I'm not nearly as excited as I've made up to be. <laughs> Josh is tired. We're all tired. We're undermotivated. Everyone's tired. As usual. Tired of everything. Waves at arms least, around. Tired at least of all it's this. February, though, eh? It is February now, isn't it? The worst month is over. <laughs> I mean, that's what I've been told anyway. Although Who the knows? South African variant is now all over the country. Yeah. Great. Brilliant. That's probably something to do with sale. Yeah. Gotta I'm be. I'm going to say that. They've, they've signed so many of them. Some of the it's o- turned up in Southport. That's definitely something to do with sale. <laughs> yeah, sheer, just sheer law of averages, the number of South Africans they signed. One of them's got to be a typhoid Mary of all this, surely. Yeah. Some second sure choice. Second row has been going down to Southport. And wiping his unspeakables on on like a railing or something. Well, they say that it's most densely transmitted via your uh, bodily excretions, don't they? Do that's they? how they've they've started te- like they test uh, sewer waste water in certain places to try and sort of get COVID hotspots before that. We're not doing it in this country, obviously, because we're fucking hopeless. But in certain places, they, they're doing like daily testing of your sewer water to try and sort of localise local hotspots where there's lots of COVID in the poo. That must be one. Imagine Great doing job, an, an NHS volunteer. Oh, yeah, I'd love to help. <laughs> what do you want me to do? Go down what? Go down there with a fucking pipette and come back you up again. A, you get a little flash-up thing on the NHS volunteering app. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your waders. I have literally scooped shit for the NHS. This, this, uh... <laughs> right, so um, if you want to get in touch with us, 
I'm uh, at Blood and Mud on Twitter or LeahBloodandMud.com or whatever. Mm. Although I think that email stopped working. I think something's gone wrong with my hosting. Oh, really? So mm, just do the much. DMs. I'm on the DMs at yeah. Blood and Mud. You'll find me yeah. there. I'm not giving out my personal email address, although you can probably guess oh, it, really. Goodness, no. I mean, yeah. Um, and how do people get in touch with you, Josh? Uh, at Josh Gardner. Hi. Hi, at RugbyShirtWatch. Um, yeah, RugbyShirtWatch.com, I guess. We're on Acast, we're on Apple, we're on other we podcast providers in all those places. We're also on Patreon.com slash Blood and Mud. Damn right we are. Where you can, for two whole pounds, you can get loads and loads of extra us. Mm. And if you want to pay for the whole year up front, it's 20 quid. Get two months free. Bargain us. 20 quid. Yeah, for all this. Don't give it to Amazon. Give it to us. Don't buy yeah. that thing you're looking at on your phone because you're bored. Give it to What's, us instead. Oh, this is a good game. What's the most I'm just buying things for the sake of it uh, thing that you've bought off Amazon since lockdown where you've just gone? I'm literally just buying something to have something come through the door now. I'm trying to think because I've actually I've slackened off on it since Christmas as part of my January detox of mm. spending money, and um, I think um, there's a, an Amazon box of there unopened, which I think is brackets for my Sonos speakers, which actually my Sonos speakers are on top of the cupboards and don't really need a bracket, but I bought them anyway, and they were forty two well. quid, and now they're <laughs> just sat in a box. <laughs> it's very middle class to one have Sonos speakers and two then get brackets for them, but yeah. I still think my most unnecessary Amazon purchase is somehow less twatty than that, though. Because I bought... Um, I, for the life of me, I still don't know why I did this. But I bought, last week, a little case to put all of my like spare Apple Watch straps in. Like well, a that's di- definitely more twatty than what I Honestly, bought. Honestly, it's probably the twattiest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Because I was like, oh, I've got, you know, I bought all these like straps for my Apple Watch and I never change them because they're all in little boxes or whatever or they're in the bottom of the drawers. I need something to store them in. And then, of course, I discovered that there's a whole range of accessories designed for the discerning cunt that has too many straps for his watch market. And now I am one of those. I keep um, I keep buying books and not reading them. Yeah. that's a cl- And because I'm not a big reader of fiction, but I feel like I should do more oh, fiction yeah. reading and i am um, and i watched the dust bowl obviously obviously and i thought i know i know what i should read i should read the grapes of wrath oh yeah by john Classic. steinbeck to really yep. give me a little pick me up during mm. lockdown you know um <laughs> anyway so it's it comes i've never read it you know i've read of mice and men that's a cheery one isn't it yeah and uh, and i thought i'll have a read of it i got what i, I don't know not many pages into it for i'll give up on this Starts off with him getting a lift in a truck. That was annoying. I thought, can you get to the dust bowl bit? No. <laughs> and then it spends uh, at least four not. pages talking about him having finding a turtle on the side of the road. I was like, no, this is fucking no good, this. I'm going back to reading <laughs> On This Day in History on Wikipedia again. And spent a good hour reading about the Finnish Civil War. See, this is the thing. Why do we need books when all of human knowledge... Is, is incorrectly in, is, is dubiously sourced on Wikipedia. <laughs> I love doing a, a a mental deep dive into stuff I've what I've never heard of. 
or known anything about. Yeah, and within an hour, I've forgotten all about it. But while I'm oh, reading it, I'm going, oh, this is very interesting. This is very interesting. I should read a book about this. It used to be part of the wider, wider Russian Empire, did mm. Finland. And oh, then there was a labor movement, something about a labor movement. And then, <laughs> uh, anyway. So, yeah, it was very good. And um, I had, it was my birthday last week. So I took yeah. the day off work Tuesday and I watched three, count them, three documentaries back Hello. to back on my couch. Hit me. Uh, in Search of Jack Charlton. Yes, I've heard good things. Very, very, good things. very, very good. Mm-hmm. Moving, interesting guy. Lovely fella. Much nicer than always his brother. Seemed, always seemed like a very nice bloke. I then watched, on the same vibe, I watched The Three Kings immediately after that, which is about oh, yeah. Busby, Shankly, and Jock Steen. Mm-hmm. All born within 20 miles of each other. All miners who then came to dominate football. Who the funk? Well, you know, miners, isn't it? Mind Wonderful it. people. Yeah. What can you say? And then I watched the uh, 80s docu- documentary on Netflix about crack in the 80s. Oh, I nearly watched that the other day. Turns yeah. out it was yet another weapon to put down the black people. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Which, who'd of course, thunk? it was. Again, who would have thunk everybody? <laughs> so, yeah, if you fancy spending a day watching documentaries, and why wouldn't you, then I recommend those three. Although indeed. you have to pay for the Jack Charlton one. It's not free yet. I had to pay yes. six ninety nine for that. I assumed it would be free and on the internet, what like everything else. And I was like, oh, I've got to pay for this. Oh, maybe I'll watch it later then. Maybe they made a documentary out of the Grapes of Wrath. Oh, they've done that, the mm. Dust Bowl. There you go. I don't need to write, no, read the Grapes go. of Wrath. Fucking huh? wasted time. Um, yeah. Know. So, what are we talking about? Patreon. There's a £5 Patreon tier if you want your name read out on here and we have a go at saying what kind of player you are. I haven't got any this week. No. Nobody's into it. Nobody's no. into it. What are you going to do? We've probably reached terminals. So we've reached saturation. We've found exactly the right number of people who want that yeah. in their lives. Yeah. And this Small. Is, it's, it's a perfect number, I think. It doesn't need so. to be any bigger. I think I mean, so. If it wants to get bigger, that's fine. But, you know, as it is, perfect. I'm happy with our little corner of the world that we've carved, right. carved out in rugby. And for all of you lot who join us in it, very happy indeed. Hells yeah. Speaking of contacts, we know who, needs, we know, um, who knows how to get in touch with you now, don't we? Mr. I'm best mates with fucking Brian O'Driscoll. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Josh Gardner. Why did... Yeah, I don't. I still don't understand how that happened, but yeah. So you posted a video mocking, obviously, <laughs> Jonathan Joseph's attempt. wasn't even attempt, an attempt. Attempt is really <laughs> strong. <laughs> to tackle uh, Semi Randrada, and then somehow Brian O'Driscoll turned up in your replies. Yeah. Which means, know. does he follow you? No. Was it retweeted in some way into his... I must have been, I guess. It's, I mean, it did. That was the weird thing. It hadn't done hashtag numbers before he waded in, but then obviously once a famous rugby player with loads of fucking followers wades into like sort of responds to something, it then appears in twenty million other people's timelines that they don't that never wanted to see it in the first place. Do you know that proverb, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and nobody's there to hear it, does it still make a sound? It's yes. like does what you've said, is it still fucking brilliant, even if somebody famous doesn't respond to it? Yes, is the um, answer. Yeah, absolutely, yes. absolutely. In fact I've gone I've gone ten years on Twitter without a great deal of famous people thinking that what in fact most of the famous people I interact with on Twitter are calling me a prick. Yeah. So that's you true. know And he did get blocked by the leader of the Welsh Conservatives the other week. I did for calling him a I can't remember what I called him. I think you called very, him a ball bag. I did call him a ball bag, which is very, very mild and definitely milder than what I meant. I have no comment to make cunt. about whether that was a good or a bad thing. I'm no, say that's absolutely what not. That is what I did. I did call him a ball bag, and I was 
definitely moderating myself, but clearly it was too much. <laughs> yeah, he actually responded to me once, Brian O'Driscoll, but I oh, directly yeah. addressed something to him. Ah, uh, okay. It was in the uh, 2000 and... Oh, God, I've lost track of when... Whatever Lions tour it was after Warren Gatland dropped him, 2015. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, well, which, by the way, they're still going on about. Who's they? The press. <laughs> well, yeah, so they were asking him at that time, and he was just like, and I and I, I think I, I, didn't, I didn't quote him, but I did say, I didn't tag him, but I did say, like, when will they stop fucking asking him these fucking questions? It's ridiculous. And he responded with saying, I don't want him to ask me either. I don't want to address it either, but they keep asking. I said, no, I'm yeah. not blaming you. You're not asking the questions. <clears throat> just, right. very, just today I saw a, an article that was about... Uh, Brian O'Driscoll being asked something about being dropped by Warren Gatland on the 2013 Lions tour. God, he must be so fucking bored with it, mustn't he? And it was like he said that, like, he'd said, they'd asked him about it on some podcast or something, and he'd mentioned something about how, you know, it was the hard thing to take was being out of the 23 in training, so, like, they weren't required, and he'd never had that before in his career. I was going to say, that must be genuinely story. weird for it. That probably never, that's what happened since he started playing like, rugby yeah. at the age of seven or something. And, but, like, do we honestly think that, like, every time somebody asks him that, we're going to glean some sort of fresh insight now? It's, like, absolutely the worst thing that happened to him in his professional rugby career. Can you not just let him be? Yeah. He should just start <laughs> doing joke answers now. Yeah. So, yeah, immediately after, I went and pissed in his water bottle. <laughs> Something like that. Can you imagine the fucking Twitter storm that it create? Oh, God. Even worse than the one that was created when he was actually dropped. Yeah. Which is still, to my memory, the most toxic Twitter's ever been. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've created quite a lot of toxins on Twitter. Damn right I have. <laughs> now that, yeah, so Brian O'Driscoll. Mm. Shall we begin with a player spotted, Josh, as we all You better add, yeah. Matthew Morgans reaches out on the Patreon messaging. So Matthew's in the club. Hello, Matthew. Good lad. Good lad. We, we thank you. He says, it's the 22nd December, December 2020... My girlfriend is a nurse and she's working nights on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Respect. Yeah. Um, So I'm doing a Christmas dinner on the 23rd. I'm glad this has gone this way, Matthew, because I thought you were about to tell me about, give away some um, confidential medical information about a boring (laughs) rugby player. So I'm glad it hasn't gone that way. I'm glad it hasn't gone, yeah, definitely. He says, I'm in Waitrose in Worcester. Hello. Looking for custard or cream to put with the pudding. And next to me, in bewilderment at the custard stroke cream aisle, is the chiseled jawed, even through a face mask, part-time Instagram model, part-time Worcester Warriors scrum half, Francois Houcha. The sort of, the like, the, in terms of like Springbok scrub halves, remember when he was like the new hotness? Yeah, and then, they, and then like, he went on the wing for four years. Yeah. At and, then, and then Faf de Klerk sort of, Kind of stole a march on him and became the sort of the ultimate hotless, you know, and has never really given that jersey up since. But now, like, I mean, it's a sort of it's kind of a weird, like, yeah, it's sort of a Stuart Sutcliffe situation with him, isn't it? Or a Pete Best. It's I'm like glad you didn't get those two names mixed up. Yeah, <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he sort of. 
He was there for a minute, and everyone was like, "Oh God, remember Francois Hugo's amazing? You know, he's playing brilliantly Can't believe for Worcester. He's coming to Worcester. Yeah, he's coming Francois Hugo. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Springbok. Yeah. You know, Springbok. First, you know, he's going to be Springbok's first choice number nine. And then who's this weird blonde fella? And why is Francois Hugo the wing now? Remember how we made fun of him? The first it was that when Ireland went over. Oh yes! Oh, how we laughed at this! How little, we laughed at his silly little who's hair. Who's this little egg on legs? Yes. And then he promptly never gave back the Springbok number nine jersey, <laughs> except yeah. when he was having a week off. And, and came to and, literally rule the world. Yeah, and meanwhile, Francois Houhard is just sort of like, oh, <laughs> guess I'll go on <laughs> the wing wait, for a bit. Back in Waitrose in Worcester. <laughs> I guess I'll go on the wing for a bit then. So he's in Waitrose Worcester. Yes, so yeah. Matthew continues, clearly not understanding the nuance of the many different custards and creams on offer. It's, it's a minefield, to be fair. Custard's a very English-British thing, mm. isn't it? I don't know if other countries do the custard in the way that we do. I wouldn't. Well, it's, it's creme anglaise elsewhere, isn't it? So. Not really. That's white, though. Oh, is it white? Yeah. It? You know, they don't have the yellow. They don't have pink custard like we do. No, they don't. Yeah, we are weird. Posh custard with vanilla bits in it. That's more like creme anglaise, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. So he's bewildered. He said, I did look at his basket, Matthew says. He had some party nibbles, a bag of sprouts, and some fresh sushi from the sushi bar. <laughs> what a... Okay, I mean, no. that's a Imagine recipe for a, um, that. I was going to say, that's a recipe for a really <laughs> rocky tomorrow morning. <laughs> you wouldn't fancy a Dutch oven after that, would you, if you were Mrs. Cookhart? <laughs> um, anyway, she says... Um, he says, yeah, we have a sushi bar and a wine bar in our waitrose mm. in Worcester. Fucking hell. What do you mean a wine bar? Let's see somebody, there's a bar where you can buy wine and just sit in waitrose and have a drink. Look, it's Worcester, mate. It's Worcester posh. I never got the idea. Which is next to the M5. I've never been, I don't think. No, I just think it's a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the best night out in Worcester, is the waitrose. It's not, it's, yeah. I mean, it's sort of, what is Worcester? Please, Worcester listeners, just, just write in and tell us. Is there what more di- to it than sauce? Different and boilers. Boilers, of course, yeah. yes. Part of the Worcester Bosch group now, so the Germans Indeed. are taking that over as well. We'll be taking that back now we're out of Europe. Well, By what's, his face? what's his face, former chairman of Worcester who died recently? That's how he, Worcester Boilers was his... Where he made his fortune. Have you got a Worcester that, boiler? Let's do this test. Have you got a Worcester uh, boiler? I haven't got a Worcester boiler. What have I got? I've got an... Ideal, I think. I've got an ideal. It's a good I've boiler. never come across an ideal until I bought this house and there was one in it. It's a good solid ideal boiler. logic. Yeah, but I've never had that before because I've had a valent. Oh, actually, no. Well, I used to have an ideal. I've now got a valent. That's, uh, yeah. Right. I, I got a valent installed when I lived in Cardiff by the most boring plumber in the world. He's from North Cardiff. He told me why he still uses valents because Worcester were two putting plastic parts inside the boiler. Oh. He was he was aggrieved at the notion. <laughs> Given the uh, aircraft engineer who used to own this house um, and built everything to the point where even the bricks on the fireplace were numbered. Um, <laughs> seriously, oh, I love when following we, mad people. When, 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 we, when, we, when we demolished the hideous brick fireplace that was in our living room, we found that every single brick on the fireplace even though they were all identical red bricks, had been individually numbered and individually drawn out on the wall with the numbers on them first before he... I mean, you've got to hand it to him, but an absolute lunatic. And I would be amazed if he would buy a boiler with any plastic in it whatsoever. 
Well, I moved first into a house in Cardiff. You know, you have a chimney breast with two alcoves. Mm-hmm. It was a Victorian terrace, flat fronted, not bay fronted. Cheaper end. Ones. Yeah. Grangetown, flat front. Deceptively big, though. Mm. Go back Except, a long way. Step down, two steps down into the kitchen. All that malarkey mm-hmm. at the back. Anyway, he had across one wall, floor to ceiling, louvre doors. And I opened the two <laughs> middle ones, and they they opened onto the chimney breast. It was about it was about ten centimeters deep. It was like I'm assuming this was to be, he had he must have had so many cassettes in the late eighties that he had to do that. I don't understand it on the alcove, but seriously, They're going across the chimney breast yeah. is something. Yeah, incredible stuff. It's amazing. Uh, anyway, yeah. So Francois Huhar in um, Waitrose, mm-hmm. confusing basket. Confused. Yeah, there's just a lot going on there. If I was to say, if I were to be sort of analytical, I'd say he's bought the sushi to eat on the way home because yeah. he doesn't understand what's happening with the sprouts and the Christmas dinner thing. Because he's been over here for four or five years now. He's had Christmas dinner a few times. He doesn't really get it. No. He doesn't see the fuss. And he's bought sprouts because he just thinks that's what, you know, that's what it's supposed skin. to do, yeah. Speaking of sushi, my I must have told you this story. When we went to Toledo a couple of years ago, mm. and we flew back from Madrid Airport, and my daughter had airport sushi. Oh, what a terrible idea that was! Yeah, God knows why. She'll never eat sushi either. Eats airport <laughs> sushi, fine on the plane. We land at Stansted Airport. We've got to drive from Stansted Airport all the way back to North Wales. I thought I'll drive back now because it's fine because roads are quiet, aren't they? Because we didn't yeah. land till like midnight. Brilliant. Yeah. Of course, you forget that uh, it's that's the time when they take the M6 down to one lane because they're doing loads of work. Oh, I love it. To divert through Coventry, and yeah. she was throwing up every half an hour. Oh. She threw up in every county, every Midlands county. My daughter threw up in on the <laughs> God bless her. <laughs> oh man! Oh, the worst journey ever, and I felt so sorry for her. A colleague of mine used to because uh, a, a big Morrison's was the only supermarket near our old office. And he used to, at least once, if not twice a week, roll the dice with Morrison's sushi for lunch. And I'd be like, mate, you are taking your life in your Russian hands roulette. there, surely. And like, not even like fresh sushi off the counter, like the pre-packaged Morrison's sushi. But it always tastes a bit like cardboard anyway. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's not even that good, mate. Why are you rolling the dice there? Can you have hot food in your office? Uh, yes. I mean, we're probably not allowed to, but yeah. It's funny in the, in the, the council where I work, the, we had the, there's lots of like legacy offices in councils with lots of like people who have like plants and mm-hmm. everything. And we bought, we, we leased a, a huge new building, which had no microwaves in it, no kettles. It was all hot water oh geeks and things. No, no hot food at your, de- at your desk. And they tried to introduce us across all the kind of legacy offices. But what I love about councils <laughs> is they're just impervious to this stuff. So, people, no. so you could literally have like a warmed up curry from the night before sat at your desk in certain offices. <laughs> and, and if you had like a slightly too smelly salad in the HQ, they'd be like, excuse me, can you not bring that in tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, no, that's never happened. Although I did once, we company I worked at, they did a massive renovation of the offices and they got like all new desks and all new carpets and they, they tried to make it Google basically <laughs> um, and it was like nobody's got drawers under their desks, everybody's oh, got yeah. to keep all this yeah. stuff in their locker, hot, all, locker. That, yeah. all that hot desking bollocks but they also tried to uh, 
stop people eating at their desks. And so they were like, we've got a breakout area where you can go and have your lunch. And instantly, and they were like, please, can you not sort of have uh, hot drinks at your desk or any sort of open containers at your desk in case you spill it on the carpet? And then everybody ignored it. And so after about three or four major spillages on the carpet after about a month, they, they people came into the office on Monday and they replaced all of the mugs in the kitchen areas with those like those like sippy cups. Well, like child's feeding cups. Yeah, sort of. You know, like the ones for adults that they sort of like the sort of oh, reusable like, yeah, the plastic cups with. Things. Yeah, the travel, but they're like the reusable ones with the rubber lids. They'd replaced every single mug in the place. They basically treated you all like toddlers. That's amazing. Yeah. And then people just were like, well, fine, I'll leave the little lid in the cupboard and I'll just take my cup of tea. That's how you you effect real change in the workplace. Yeah, I mean, they tried it. Nobody was fucking around with Chippy Friday in the Ellesmere Port offices. Nobody. (laughs) Who's going to fuck with that? That sounds (laughs) one of the greatest fucking, you know, traditions of our time. Chippy tea, Chippy Friday. (laughs) Right then. Thank you very much. If you've got a player spotted... Yes. You can send it to uh, me on the DMs or the Patreon messaging service if you're one of those lovely people who, who gets access to that. And we'll read it out. Yeah. No guarantees. No, caveat, and then you might, go on a, well, you might go on a massive diversion like we, we just did do, then. Yeah. Yeah. Some of you might stop sending them in because you're so sick of such diversions. But anyway, <laughs> shall we do some news? Yes. Can I, t- can I start with, I don't know why, but a certain rugby account is, seems to be obsessed with us talking about Hong Kong. Okay. And this has come up a couple of times about our position on Hong Kong. I think, I think some people don't like the fact that we're quite strong on our position on Exeter Chiefs and the fact that they're racists. Right. And that we don't speak about other things, like the Hong Kong Sevens being in Hong Kong, despite Hong Kong being, by anyone's measure, a constrict of a setup. Oh, yeah. 100%. Let me just be clear, right? <laughs> I have a rule in my life, which I follow religiously, right? It's a simple rule, and it's this. I don't go on holiday to basket case countries. Yeah, I mean, broadly, I'm right there with you. I mean, I went to America last year, I which was hovering America. very close to the line yeah. of late. However, still stayed on the right side of the line due to constitution, etc. But I wouldn't go to Hong Kong because it's a basket case country or run by a basket case country. I don't go to Dubai, basket no, case country, no, not because of all of those rules and the fact that if I kiss a fellow, I might get locked up. So therefore, I've been very... I've never vocalised it. Let me be quite clear from now. I don't think the, the Sevens in Hong Kong should go ahead. Fuck no. I in don't a situation should... that's as big a basket case as that. I, I think the Dubai Sevens is a fucking disgrace. They shouldn't be going there either. Yeah. So, let's, you know, keep reading them off. Yeah, let's not... Let's, you know, just because we haven't spoken much about it, it's mainly because we ignore the Sevens. <laughs> that's because, true we pay very little attention silly but World Rugby should not be sending any yeah. recognised sanctioned tournaments an, to shitholes like that yeah it's an absolute stain on the game that it is you know basically following F1's lead and throwing it's prostrating itself in the front of regimes looking to do a bit of sports washing and fuck them basically yeah so you know we'll keep saying it if people want us to but just want to yeah. be very clear Absolutely. If I wouldn't go on holiday there, I don't want rugby to go there. Quite right. Although I wouldn't go on holiday to a lot of places that rugby should probably go, you know. That's true. Australia. Yeah. 
for a start. <laughs> As my uncle said, it was Everything's like, gonna kill like you. Wigan in the 70s, but fucking boiling. <laughs> <laughs> Rugby league pies and ignorant people. <laughs> Sorry, Australia. Hello, hello to all our Australian <laughs> listeners. Speaking of Australia, actually. Oh, yes. The Lions Speaking are going to... Case, yeah. <laughs> Oh, the Lions are going to Australia, but they're going to play the Springboks there, and also maybe a combined French-Australian team for some reason. I mean, the way that somebody would try to jump on this seriously go, oh, what do you think the 15 would be if you combined Australia and France? Like, fuck off. I'm not playing this game. <laughs> also, it would be all France. <laughs> Come on. Um, yeah, like, of course they aren't. It's not going to happen. You know, no matter how pompously and enthusiastically Stephen Jones declares that this is going to happen, basic logistics. I love like, that Stephen Jones doesn't understand t- how the media works. Yeah, <laughs> for a man who's li- literally, and I am not exaggerating this, I don't think, a man who has been working in journalism longer than anyone listening to this podcast has been alive. Um <laughs> He gets very arsy when other outlets report a thing that he himself has put on Twitter and therefore is in the public sphere. That's not how, he doesn't understand how the news works. It's amazing. I mean, he's not used to breaking news, to be fair. So, uh, but yeah, so he thinks that despite the fact that Australia has shown absolutely zero desire to do anything to sort of relax their quarantine regulations. They think that even though the first Lions test is what, a fortnight after the Premiership final, something like that? Mm -hmm. And the first Lions game is like the day after or a week after, that somehow the Lions are going to be able to go over there quarantine for 14 days as is legally required in a hotel on their own then having spent 14 days doing absolutely nothing not going to a gym not running not working out not doing any team based activity not going to a nando's not having coffee club then somehow they will be ready to play a test match like a week later to follow the schedule. That's that's problem number one, right? <laughs> but that's already it's not gonna happen. Problem number two is that Sky Sports have paid a lot of money for the Lions tour with the expectation that the South Africa tour games will be broadcast at a prime time, very friendly mm-hmm. three Same o'clock in the end. Yeah. Zone, yeah. You know, same time zone as Britain, it will be played at, you know, I six, seven o'clock. I think it's unreasonable to ask them all to basically go on a night shift for six weeks, play games. <laughs> and, the fa- and the fans that they want to have in the ground as well. Um, yeah, so, and then if it's in Australia, yeah, they'll have to kick games off at nine or ten in the morning at best. It's just really, it's, there's so much bullshit being leaked and briefed to journalists every week. Stephen Jones seemed very pleased that it was just his turn this time around. But it's not like... like For the last month, somebody has thrown out a different harebrained scheme to do the Lions this year, every week. And they've basically gone, what do they think about that on the internet? 
I think it's a shit idea. All right. <laughs> well, you speak to the Telegraph next week, and we'll suggest playing it on the dark side of the moon. <laughs> yeah. And then the Independent will tell them it's the Faroe Islands. <laughs> And then finally, we'll talk to the mail and suggest your fucking play it on Galapagos plan. I'm not sure it's going to fly, but you know. <laughs> yes. Indeed. It's not happening, guys. It's a shit. It's, it's going to be over here, isn't it? It's going to be over here or it's going to be nowhere. It may, or, you know. And After the South African squad have all been like given a full bleach scrub wash. <clears throat> yeah. They're going to have to play it in Britain or not at all. And it can't go to next year because the unions have all said, haven't they? No thanks. We still want the revenue from our yeah. tours, thanks. Yeah, and also it's you know they've got a rugby world cup to prepare for a year later, so I can sort of understand where they're coming from. But yeah, it's just somebody wants to avoid making the tough decision here, <laughs> so they're throwing out every harebrained scheme that they can think of that might avoid them having to make the tough decision. But unfortunately, I think. Sometime in the next three or four weeks, somebody's going to have to make the decision to either just well, play it here. Well, statement said, didn't they? They're going to be meeting in twice in February, the planning committee, yeah. didn't they? Which, is, which was basically, you know, here's a can-kicking phase one. Yeah. And then can-kicking phase two, and then we'll have to absolutely <laughs> make a decision on the 21st yeah. of February or something. Yeah, and I mean, they're almost certainly going to have... You, like, they'll be you govving this shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. somebody's going to get... They're going to poll a thousand people on which of these See, ideas is the worst. This is why they're putting all these terrible ideas out there, so that they're just playing it at home. Seems like the best idea in the entire yeah, world. it does. Of the, of the options that we've had so far... Yeah. <laughs> Next week, is... we unveil our playing it on a super tanker plan. <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to get... We're going to build an artificial iceberg and put a rugby pitch on it. Remember like how that guy had that plan to use that ice that doesn't melt? It's like mixed with salt so it doesn't melt. And he had this plan in World War II to build aircraft carriers out of ice and float them in the Atlantic during the Second World War. I have not heard that one, but I feel like I can feel a Wikipedia section coming on. <laughs> That's definitely something I've read on Wikipedia. <laughs> it sounds and, like something that Nigel Ray would go for if a player came to him. Does, does Nigel, just... boats made out of un, <laughs> undissolvable, unmeltable ice. Here we go. Project Habakkuk, all right? Right was a plan by the British during the Second World War to construct an aircraft out of pikecrete, which is a mixture of wood pulp and ice, for use against German U-boats in the Mid-Atlantic, which were beyond the flight range of land-based planes at the time. The idea came from Geoffrey Pike, who conveniently invented pikecrete. Um, They basically performed scale tests in the creations of a prototype in Alberta in Canada, but it was shelved due to rising costs, added requirement, and the ability of longer-range aircraft and aircraft carriers, which sought closed the mid-Atlantic gap. But the plan was, yes, to basically build a 2,000-foot-long iceberg made of mixed of ice and wood that wouldn't then melt. And well, then it would be put, impervious to U-boat torpedoes. Yeah, because they're just because they won't sink because they're literally made up to solid course. ice. I'll tell you what. Yeah, Pikecrete is 14% sawdust and 86% ice. Um, 
It uh, has very low thermal conductivity and vastly improved strength and t- toughness oh, compared right. to ordinary to the end. Why was it? Why, why was it not a goer? Uh, really expensive. Right. And they they invented aircraft carriers and planes that could reach the middle of the Atlantic. And I was like, oh, don't worry about it, mate. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> we can build this in a factory in Halifax. Don't need, yeah. We don't need all what you're doing. But they do use pikecrete uh, nowadays to like build sort of uh, weird arty things in places like Finland because it doesn't melt and it's really, really strong. Yeah, not much money to be made in that though, is there? No. Gutted. Oh, well. So, yeah, Lions Tour on pikecrete. That's my my plan. Amazing. The super tanker plan though. Yeah, yeah. Why not? They're big enough. So Inter- international waters as well, so they wouldn't have to. Uh... You could have the simple pleasure of a monkey knife fight in between, <laughs> exactly. in between the games. Exactly. <laughs> right. So that's that news, which that's isn't going to happen. Absolutely. Yes. Do you want more yeah, news? Can we, can we do a lion shit shit idea news watch? Because it must be coming out every week, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's the one lions thing you are allowed to talk about before the start, before the end of the Six Nations. What else have we got then? France well, squad's been finalised. Yeah, um, as you as expected, broadly a couple of uh, yeah notable omissions. Aldridge's back in. Yes, which is very good news for France. Bad news for everybody else. And it's and it's just batshit all the way. At fly half. <laughs> Carbonell and Jalabert. That's exactly. Pick what one I of them. Yeah, I'll pick both of them. <laughs> <laughs> fly half, which I found out is. Oh, have I never known this? Demi de Ouverture. Lovely. So Overture. Ha- overture half. The conductor. Conductor half. Is that what that means? I don't know. That's amazing. I thought Steve. nothing could beat Demi de Mele for Scrum Half. But... <laughs> I love Demi de Mele. It's such a... They're, they're invent like sort of... The way that they've chosen to describe positions is so much more interesting than ours. See, and I thought that arrière, which is fullback, I thought that meant arse. Well, I think he just means back, doesn't he? Or behind. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the, the behind back, I suppose, isn't it? You know, in Derbyshire, they say house as arse. Oh, do they really? Yeah. So, you you know, they if you're from Derbyshire, you say things like, I've had double glazing put in my arse. <laughs> which never <laughs> stops being amusing in a very infantile uh, way. It's It's very good. Yeah, so as you were. Um... Yeah, you know, it's, it's they are they they are up against it a little bit with the injuries that they've got, but it's still a very very good squad. And there's it's nothing not about it that isn't wonderful now. Whoever they bring in, yeah, because every time they bring somebody in, they're just mad. Yeah, and, you go, and I don't mean that. <laughs> in, and I don't mean that in a kind of love, in, in like a Lievremont mad way, which made you depressed and angry. Mm. I mean, like in a mad way, like oh, this is going to be brilliant. Well, he Rat has gone, injured, isn't he? Which is a shame. Yeah, which is a shame. But he's gone. He has gone slightly mad by, by choosing to pick three wingers and two fullbacks. Beautiful. And three, and only three centres as well. He's literally like, and he's not necessarily on the bones of his ass. There, he's just decided. I'm just going to pick seven million forwards. I hope this means that Gail Ficker is finally playing twelve. And that's where he's playing. Rather than <laughs> he's being not going to have any fucking choice. He could be on the wing. Fa- well, so they're going to have Vincent and Barisi and Barassi as the two centres, are they? All right. Peno can play centre though, can't he? Don't rule it out. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 
Fucking hell. Listed as a this winger, is, though, of course. This is, what, this is what I like about this French team. Everyone can play everywhere. Because Baptiste Saran can play a 10 if he wanted to. Of course he can. Dupont absolutely definitely could. He'd be the world's most he has, heavy, he? heavy set 10. He's but... played 10 at Toulouse, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. It's always interchangeable in France. Speaking of bat, but of absolutely batshit French people, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, did you see that Teddy Tomar is apparently off to Toulouse? Which instantly then creates the world's most gloriously insane and absolutely uncoachable backline. Teddy, mm-hmm. Cheslin, mm-hmm. Tomar Ramos. What a back three. What a back three. And you stick DuPont and Nuntamak in there, desperately trying to hold it together with some sense. Is Ramos injured? Um, I think he is, yeah. Must be. Um, yeah. Imagine if Teddy Tomac could like be coached and had a brain. What a player he would be. <laughs> but this is the thing now. They're, they're, this is the, the true pinnacle of Rob Howley's vision of rugby chaos. You'll have, you know, the best number nine but the most, also the most unpredictable number nine in the world, running the show with three of the more unpredictable outside backs in world rugby. I mean, just who? Nobody's going to know what's going on in that. The coaches aren't going to know. The, the rest of the team's not going to know. It's going to be fantastic. I cannot nice. wait. Wonderful. What else have we got? Uh, Gay, uh, Mercer is leaving Bath. Yes, Matt Mercer and Jaco Kutsi is coming in to to replace him. Not a bad replacement. Not bad. Face not bad at all. Any more news? Any more news? Uh, in things that aren't going to happen, uh, NRL star uh, Roger Tuivasashek is uh, apparently mulling over a switch to Union to try and play for the All Blacks in the next World Cup. Um, I've seen bits and bobs of him. He looks very good. He's a very good player. Yeah. yeah. However. He's what a winger, probably in this code. He's probably, probably not... an outside back of some description. You'd have to guess. Yeah. yeah, it's not like the All Blacks are short of decent wingers at the moment. No, he is very good though. He is very good. But he's twenty-eight. Yeah. It's, like... it's his last chance. Isn't it? He might as well go and get a yeah. three-year contract and go. Why not? Like, do it. I, I am all for. I just, I really enjoy the inevitable cycle of insane hype, moderate fulfilment of expectation and inevitable return to league where he's much happier that comes with almost any hyped up code switch. I enjoy it. So, you know, between all the league fans who never normally watch union suddenly start watching and and explain (laughs) how he's brilliant and what you're watching isn't terrible. (laughs) And loads of union fans say that it's absolutely shit, even though he's probably just playing all right. Who doesn't? Who, who won't enjoy that again? <laughs> we haven't had that for ages. Let's just, you know, yeah. play the hits sometimes, guys. They need to come over when they're 15, like Ford and Farrell. Yeah. And then nobody mentions it again, apart no. from when they do something like trying to take somebody's head off. Oh, that's his rugby league background there. <laughs> He's not been since he was 14. Uh, you remember what you used to do when you were 14? Yeah. Yes. And I definitely don't do it now. You stopped doing it at 26, though, haven't you? <laughs> well, some of it. Well, some of it. Um, yeah, so, any more news? No. Rugby needs a console game. <clears throat> oh, says, yeah, yeah. Says whoop, whoop, Hugo. Hugo. <laughs> yeah, Hugo uh, agreeing with me and uh, Gus Pichot and Robbie. Um, yeah, I think say you and Robbie said this about eighteen months ago. <laughs> I know, and then Gus Pichot borrowed it off us, and Hugo's borrowed it off Gus. 
And uh, it's fun. It's interesting to see people like Martin Oini, who's the head of the Pro 14, sort of agreeing with him. And it's like, Martin, you sold exclusive likes rights to your league to the worst of two bad rugby games that are currently available. You are part of the problem, why, pal. Why, why are they so bad? These guys aren't stupid. They could make a brilliant game if they wanted to. Christ, if they can recreate fucking Storm into the beaches of Normandy, they can recreate <laughs> a fucking game of rugby. However, I can only think they just don't, they look at the market, they're not stupid, are they? Big they stop. look at the market and go, nobody fucking, nobody will buy it. They could absolutely make... Well, let's think, because this is why World Rugby needs to sort of invest in it itself. The problem is that... But why they... would they if nobody's going to buy it? Because the game, if it was marketable, the privately owned profit-making game companies would do it, wouldn't they? But that's the problem is that the privately owned profit-making games companies look at the global audience of Rugby Union and go, eh. And <laughs> look at the people that watch Rugby Union and go, no. No, exactly, exactly. They're all playing and, backgammon. Yeah, whereas, you know, the problem is it costs a lot of money to develop a, a good oh, course, game yeah. these days and rugby is not exactly flush with cash, but it just, you know, it needs somebody to take a flyer on it and invest the time. Because once they've developed the game, everything else is easy. It kind of doesn't almost matter how long it takes for them to refine it. It's, you know, most people would be happy if it played exactly like Jonah Lomu rugby, but with slightly better graphics. Like that, so I don't understand. Full updated player lists. Yeah, and having all the rights to all of the stupid competitions, so that it actually feels like a rugby union game. Not called, people of... call things like Barry Bowden and things like that. <laughs> yeah, Barry ex- Bowen. Exactly that. Is that it? That we done news wise. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Well, the Six Nations comes back next week. It certainly does. I'm covering two games for The Guardian on Saturday, mm-hmm. back to back. Um, I can't believe it's back already, to be honest. It feels like... It does seem to have crept up a bit, doesn't it? Yeah. And again, it's hard to get excited. I know I will be excited come Saturday morning, though. Me too. At the moment, I'm very much... I don't know whether it just comes with the sort of absolute certainty that Wales are going to be shit. So, we love a prediction on this pod, Josh. Yeah, we do. we? We love a prediction on this pod. Mostly wrong predictions. Oh, we're exclusively... Yeah, there was one that I just made where I said Wales are absolutely definitely going to be shit. I'd love to be wrong about that. Yeah. Probably won't be. But yeah, we we love we love saying things about things that are definitely going to happen, and then but watching as they don't. I'm not really into um, I, I'm not really into like normal betting. One because I, I I can't I don't understand spread betting, and and don't even nope. get me started on decimal odds. Forget it. 
straight off. These like, are two point seven to win. What the fucking hell are you talking about? I as soon as I see decimal odds, I'm not interested. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I have to go to do a Google Translate on it, and then I'm so tired <laughs> I can't think about anything else. I like betting like when you're with. I miss playing. One of the biggest things I miss about going to pub, I don't drink anymore, but I used to like going to pub with my mates because I like playing kill, you know, like dark killer darts or pool. Yeah, killer. yeah, yeah. Whenever yeah. Chuck's two quid in and you keep going until you're the last one standing and you get all the pot of money. Big so stuff. We, so we've signed up to this thing called Who Knows Wins. We have. Which you can find at whoknowswins.com. It's, it's, which is basically exactly the same as that. You pay a bit of money to enter a, a prediction league. We're in it. Paul Williams is in it. So you're yeah. going to take our money off <laughs> straight away. So Imagine you could not be in a league with three more easy marks <laughs> than us. Two people who are always wrong and somebody who quite literally is notorious for predicting things and then they spectacularly blowing up in his face. Yeah, yeah. If Paul was Nostradamus, nobody would fucking publish him. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, but it's, yeah, so we're in this. So basically, you can, you pay an entry fee each week, and then whoever gets the, all the predictions right and gets the most points wins every week. And there's also a big prize at the end. So you basically like playing killer with your mates. Everyone chucks the money in. Whoever does the best at the end gets all the money at the end of five weeks. So we're in for it. We think it'll be a laugh. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start doing this. And also, you can then join us on Twitter or there's a chat function on the app, actually, where you can come and say how shit we are and everything. Which, Which is fair to be enough. fair, yeah. No different to our normal online experience, let's be honest. Quite. So it's whoknowswins.com, all one word, who knows wins. If you want to go and have a look at the app, come and join us. Pony up your entry fee, put your money where your mates are, all that stuff, and uh, and come and give us a go. So what are we predicting then for the games this week, Josh? So you've got, just a reminder, we've got Italy-France. Yep. First up, Saturday. Then we've got England-Scotland at Twickenham. Yeah. And on the late Saturday kickoff, and then you got Wales Island from that stadium in Cardiff, whose name I refuse to use. On Sunday, yeah. On the Sunday, so we shall. Shall we start with Italy France? Yeah. Now I'm the tournament as a whole. I'm a little bit worried about France. I shouldn't be because I know, as we saw in the autumn, they've got good strength in depth, and they've still got the best player in the world in their team. But I look at that schedule and I think that. You know, they got trips to Dublin, they got trips to London coming up. And I just think if they don't if they wanna if they don't want this Six Nations to go off the rails early doors, they need to have a really, really good result against Italy. And you kind of feel like they will. As much as they've done a lot to improve themselves Italy recently. Italy are brilliant to watch at the minute. And, they are. and really enjoyable. But They'll score a couple of tries, I They've bet. got that last 20 minutes problem, haven't they? Where everything kind of just turns to shit. Yeah. So that, I, just... but, I mean, you're guaranteed a Garbisi glorious dummy at some point. Absolutely. What's not to like? You're guaranteed Fischetti doing some kind of amazing clamp on. Yeah. And you you're know... guaranteed France doing Francey things. It'll be yeah. a fun game. It'll be a high-scoring game. You think so? I think it'll be like... Maybe not that high scoring. For the realms of test match rugby high scoring. Like Don't forget, you know, Edwards 35, has had France for another six months since last since we last yeah, saw. Like thirty five seventeen or something. Yeah, I can see that actually. Some of that. Yeah. Yeah. So what I can say? see I can see Italy getting a couple of tries. Yeah, actually. Yeah, they're not shutting but mind you though, when did France 
The argument I mean, for the old rearguard defence. France yeah, will defend well, but I just think Italy will do mad things enough. And to be honest, Italy have scored off. a couple of tries against everybody recently. Yeah. They do manage to pull it out of somewhere, don't they? I've not seen the t- teams haven't been named yet, have they? But no. I do think that Italy backline is very nice at the minute. It is very nice. It's a shame it hasn't got... Well, we've covered this. It's a shame Minotti. it hasn't got a certain... And, Minotti, and a certain Wasp centre in it, if I'm honest. But, you know, mm. that's just because I want it to be maximum fun. <laughs> So then we go England, Scotland, the next Calcutta cut, uh, cut, Cal- Calcutta cut, Calcutta, Calcutta cup. cut, uh, big. Where are we? The Calcutta cut sounds like somewhere where yeah. loads of people died in the <laughs> empire. They forced forced labour to cut it out to build a canal in 1897. <laughs> the Great Calcutta's cut. Yeah. The number of Indians that died in killed, the Calcutta killed, cut. Killed 17,000, but reduced the yeah. time it took grain to get back to the it homeland was, by was, seven it days. The, yeah, it was the catalyst for the burgeoning Indian independence movement. <laughs> uh, it's not yes, that. No, it's, it's not a game that. of rugby. It's a, it's a, it's a, a jug that they fight over. Um, yeah, I think it's a big sort of where exactly are we in the grand scheme of things moment for Scotland this because, like, I don't think they'll win, but can they give a good account of themselves at Twickenham? Can they make England really work for it and maybe even give Eddie a bit of nerves in the last 20 minutes? I think it's kind of as good as they realistically can hope. As much as dazzling fun as that game was at Twickenham, mm. uh, the, the mad shit comeback... Yes. When I'd given up at half-time and thought, I'm going to fucking walk and go and get some noodles because this is doing my head in, the fact that it's so one-sided, it was annoying. Yes. Um, And then sat watching it on my phone and walk and go while waiting for said noodles and slowly losing <laughs> my fucking mind. Um, but because um, I thought the game was over. And then, and but that's the, but in a way, what you, what, what, what I like to say, I'm not Scottish, what I would like to see is, something resembling a competent international performance away from home, which doesn't mm. look like it's crumbling at different mm. times. And I do think there's something about the way the forwards are played which should give a little bit more of that. Well, but, yeah, they need to channel the spirit of, you know, their win away internationally last year, mm. Mm. you know, which is a very constant performance, albeit aided by Wales being fucking dog shit. But they yeah. were... You know, writing control for the whole game. That was the were. game that everyone said that Test Rugby is doomed and we had to change yes. 900 rules because <laughs> it's so terrible. But if Scotland can suck England into an absolutely dire, dour, horrendous fucking game that's six all with 70 minutes, you know, they'll be fucking delighted as they should be. And you know, look at you know Scotland have got Wales and Ireland at home, and you know if they can get a losing bonus point out of this, you know they they are not outside the realms of contending for the title. You know anything can happen after this. They just need to not get battered, basically. So no chance for Scotland for the win. I don't think so. I don't think so either. One of the last uh, winners, Twickenham. Fucking ages, mate. Eighties. I could look was it, it up. Was it 90s? Yeah, we could look it up, but that's not the we whole podcast we are. It's no. been ages. That's all you it's need to know. It's been fucking ages. And, you know, England are, you know, the reigning Six Nations champions. They've got the deepest 
squad. They've got the most experienced. They've got the most settled game plan and coaching team. They've got the you know the most sort of highly involved backrooms. There's absolutely no excuses here for them to not win this game and win it handily. Really, you know, you could say that about England in any game. Really, given where they are and where everybody else is at this stage of. You know, England are five years into a rebuild here and everybody else is sort of between, you know, 18 months to six months into tearing it up and starting again. So, yeah, for for me, it it's, should comfortably be England. It'll be a big achievement of Scotland if they can really make them work for it there. Scotland have not won at Twickenham since 1983. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that, of course. I haven't just looked that up. Obviously, I know not. these. I know these. Absolutely things. not. Just had to remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, nineteen eighty-three. So, yeah, it's going to be a an England win that one. I, I think, think so. That'll be going to our prediction league. Now, then, the controversial one: Wales, Ireland. Well, I mean, Sunday. as much as I'm fully up for Wales treating this tournament as if it's twenty thirteen, and to play only with players who are over the age of thirty or have over sixty caps and to be really boring but hard to beat and nick a few jammy wins along the way. Uh, in reality, I think we all know that Wayne Pivak's going to mix Dan Lydiot and John Davis in with Callum Sheedy and Reese Carey in a dysfunctional mess. <laughs> um, you know, Ireland put a B team out against a relatively full-strength Wales in the autumn and absolutely could have won by 50 if they'd felt like it. And generally what happens when Ireland come to Cardiff in the first round of the Six Nations is a comprehensive battering for Wales, you know. And that's when they had a competent head coach and a game plan. So I don't really see any reason why Ireland won't win this, you know. So you're saying there's a chance? I mean... In those times where Ireland have, you know, come to Cardiff and absolutely blown Wales out of the park for the first, you know, one one time we very nearly came back and won. Nearly. So that's about the chance that I'd give us. And Wales are notoriously shit starters, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, so I might predict a Wales win just, just for the fucking laugh of it all. You won't, though, because you're not that silly. No, I'm not. I think I'm already, I might already have done it. On, who, on, the, on, the, on the prediction league. <laughs> Just because I knew you were going to be like this. You make me want to say silly things because you're so fucking <laughs> depressed about Wales the whole time. And I'm not even well. Somebody's got somebody's to fight for, real, for these I'm guys. Just a, I'm just a realist, man. <laughs> so there you go, predictions. We think um, we think France, England and Ireland, which I suppose are not that fairly obvious. I think a lot of people may be picking that. But if you've got different ideas, you can go along, join the league. Scott Quinnell thinks Wales are going to win the whole thing. So, you know. Oh, I love it. I wonder, I didn't see it. The, the, no, did I. I saw a picture of it. I wonder how loudly he shouted it when he was saying <laughs> And how many Welsh words are used in, in the incorrect context. I mean, let's face it. He, he shouts everything at all times. So, yeah. Yeah. I think Wales, they're going to come out, they're going to, they're going to show lots of Gwasanaithai and um, uh, Sponken and Hiraith <laughs> and Sklodi on a sausage and they're going to win. Let's face it, like, 
this is the only time where I bet everyone in the Scrum 5 studios was just really relieved that they were socially distanced. <laughs> you know, I need at least two meters from between me and Scott because he's going to start shouting and there's going to be droplets everywhere. <laughs> yeah. No. There's an aerosol generating procedure. <laughs> Scott Quinnell talking. Uh, <sighs> right then, so yeah, there you go. So maybe get on get on the prediction train. And what we got here then? Weekend. Should we do the weekend? Yes, we probably should do Talk the weekend. About shouldn't that last we? weekend. Yeah. Hey, I tell you what, it's amazing what a lack of terror can do at Harlequins. <laughs> Isn't it? Is it just me, right? Or is the Premiership a bit shit now? Oh, controversial. Now, I, I'm it's just the saying, greatest for, league for, in the world, Josh. Well, this the is greatest thinking, league in the world. This is what I'm History, saying. History, rivalries. Can't buy it, Josh. You can't buy it. But for all of that, there hasn't half been an awful lot of absolute fucking shellackings handed out this season. Seemingly at random as well. Like... Almost every team yeah. seemingly capable of being brilliant one Pe- week and horse shit the next. People on Momentum Watch, the, the Momentum <laughs> believers me. must be going fucking bananas at this. Here, here are some sample scores from you from the first seven rounds, right? Go. 33-3, I'm sure it never used to be like that. Or maybe I'm just rose-tintedly looking back at... Premiership of your, but like I can't remember. I can't remember. wait for English Twitter to talk about what a joke league it is. Like they do about every other league. <laughs> this is the thing. Maybe this is where I put my Pro 14 hat. I told you so hat on, and point out that the fact that they're having to play more games this year without internationals is kind of fucked up the whole thing, and has demonstrated that it's actually quite hard to be consistent when you're sort of chopping and changing everybody week in week out. Unless you're Leinster. Unless you're Leinster, which I guess we'll, we'll probably come on to. But yeah, this week's silly teams, as you mentioned, are Harlequins mm-hmm. and Bath. Quins suddenly turning into a super rugby team, freed of the yoke of Paul Gustard glowering at them. They scored 40-odd points and beat Wasps, who scored 50 last week. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Quins have now scored 40 or more points twice this season and then also scored less than 10 on three occasions, and they've also conceded 40 once, for good measure. Also, uh, Danny Kerr seems to be transformed, modelling himself now on Billy Zane from Titanic. <laughs> big vibes, big vibes, yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, our friend of the pod, Regarth Jones, calls Quinns the Maserati Shaggers, which I think is a wonderful, <laughs> wonderful name for them. I'd forgotten about that when they, when they actually did do an advertising deal. If you ever want to know how different Rugby Union is to some other sports... <laughs> When they did a deal about paying for a parking space for your Maserati when you turn up, you know you're on a different fucking gravy train altogether, don't you? It's just, it it, it shows the difference between, you know, not just rugby in England, because rugby in England is different, particularly rugby in London versus rugby, rugby anywhere else, really. Speaking of Gloucester... The poor, poor buggers. I don't know what. <laughs> Nothing summed a... up their season more than than their fly half attempting to kick the ball out and him basically like twisting his ankle like a fucking barber's bowl 
But yeah. he did a very simple kick out. And <laughs> think, then I'm trying to play already, on for yeah. about 17 minutes. I think he'd already twisted it when he made that break and got tackled. But yeah, I. Oh, yeah, he did, it, didn't he? You're right. And then I. But like, he somehow hurt it much worse by that ankle being his standing leg. <laughs> like, I don't know how you injure an ankle by it just not moving, but he seemingly did that. And it was one of those things where you were like, is he just feigning an injury because he just put in a genuinely abysmal kick? <laughs> and then but he no, spent the next 10 minutes being on just, just literally so. hobbling all the while. Northampton just did not bother to run Nairavoro down his channel once, which is just very silly. I've watched Nairavoro <laughs> for a little while, and you forget <laughs> how just just utterly fucking massive he, he is. Huge. The thighs are just beyond comprehension. <laughs> Unbelievable. Is it, and that's the thing. He doesn't just... like A lot of rugby players are big in one area, but there's no part of Nairavoro that you just don't think, well, that's just a lot larger than average. Yes. You know, it's literally his ankles to the top of his head. <laughs> it all just looks like he's been stretched in Photoshop. There's no taper. No. It's just a big block. <laughs> Uh. Yeah, so, but um, I mean, I will say for Gloucester, to be fair, um, shining like a beacon through it all, doing his very best, was Mark Atkinson, who is always consistently yeah. very, very good. <laughs> he really is. He's when he, when he isn't having his, his general low level run of bad luck with injuries, which seems to plague him all the time. But uh, uh, This is the thing that Gloucester are a very, they're working very hard and they're not a bad team. But the way just... people talk about Skivington going there, though, was like... It was weird, man. It was like it was sending the reincarnation weird. of fucking Carwin James or something, the way they were talking about it. But, I mean, obviously, I'm sure he's a promising coach, but it is, well, not so much now. Unless you don't yeah, understand what promise means. No. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and then on the flip side of that, you've got Bath, you know, fresh from scoring 40 but conceding 50 against Wasps last week, which at least give the Bath fans something to enjoy. Uh, you know, concede 48 this week uh, and score three. And Bath and Quinns play each other next week, by the way. And honestly, if it finished 9-3 now, it would be perfectly in keeping with how stupid this season is. Are they, are they, are they too keen to... Well, I think Hooper was promoted too soon. Yeah, he was. And I'm not saying he won't be able to do it, but it's there's something they seem very keen to identify, and it's nice in a way to identify talent and try and move it up quickly. I but think are they doing that, it a bit too soon? I think there is a taking learnings from Saracens and uh, Exeter model, mm. but sort of not really doing the whole bit because you know McCall was on Sari's staff as an assistant and, you know, Brendan Venter moved up on and he moved up to the big job. Infinite success followed, you know. And the same with, with Exeter, you know, it he... That but was he, but he'd work... I mean, like, McCall had worked under Solomons, hadn't he? That's the thing. You know, he'd, they, he'd done oh, Ireland under they hadn't, they hadn't kind of... He'd done a bit they of work with Castra. Do you know what I mean? It's I like, think they haven't, they're not really, they don't get it. It's not just that the man who's fucking sitting next to the coach bringing his pasties or whatever is 
guaranteed to be the next bright young thing in coaching. It's like, yeah, so actually fucking have something about him as well. You know. Are they cheap? That's got to be part of it. And they're easy to sell to the fans. I mean, someone like Hooper would be very easy to sell as an inexperienced coach to the fans there, wouldn't he? Because of who he is. And maybe yeah, cheap. exactly. And but you know, Worcester are doing it as well. You know, they've they've got John Thomas. You know, he's barely been there for half a season, and now he's head coach. And it's like, you know, John Thomas was obviously well thought of enough by Pat Lamb that he kept him around for a couple of years. But it does seem weird that he's already, you know, less than six months into a job. He's director of rugby, uh, well, not director of rugby, head coach, and, you know, has got Mark Jones underneath him, who <laughs> is another... It's it's just weird. Like you say, there's this youth movement, and I think there's, there's got to be a part of it that is about money. Because, mm. you know... Somebody like Pat Lamb, <laughs> he's going to cost you a hell of a lot more beans than but of course, I mean, fucking Hat- Skivington will. Hatley's the head coach at Bath, isn't he? And then Hooper's the director of rugby. Mm. Who's most responsible, I suppose? Because Hooper yeah. signed a play as well, won't he? Yeah. It's a, it's a, the, fact, the other sort of thing, I suppose, is the, you know, the un-like... It doesn't work the same way every club, you know, at every mm. club. Like with some club, the director of rugby is effectively the manager, the head coach. But you know, like Pat Lamb, for example. Yes. He's director of rugby at Bristol, but you know, nobody there thinks that he doesn't have his. Yeah, he doesn't just let the finger. coach get on with the job, does he? Absolutely not. But then there are other clubs where you know, it feels like the head coach is you know, effectively in charge of everything. The director of rugby has got their eyes on sort of more overarching things. You know, look at the Ospreys, for example. Like, you know, Mike Ruddock is effectively the director of rugby of the Ospreys now. Mm. I don't know what his title is now because it's, it's fucking transformation, something or other at one point. But um, um, And Toby Booth's a head coach. But nobody there really thinks that Mike Ruddock is doing much of the fucking day-to-day. Yeah. You know, it's Toby Booth's team. You haven't got time. He doesn't have his photo taken with Dovid Telecom. Sam right he is. I'm smiling. Where did the Osprey's fleece is way it's too way too small. <laughs> uh, yeah, but... Um, yeah, it, it, because of the way that, that works, you know, in some clubs, like, you get the feeling that the Alan Solomon's John Thomas Worcester thing, you know, you kind of feel like Solomon's is probably quite involved day to day. And John Thomas is kind of going to take over the reins in, you know, six months or a year once he's got his head around the job. But with somebody like, you know, you look at the Bath situation and it does not feel like Neil Hatley is in charge of the team, you know? Yeah, that just could be because the amount of, you know... And that's part of the media thing, yeah. How it's like much a giant... They- yeah, I was to say, yeah, the media, yeah. Anyway, yeah, so interesting. We'll see how it pans out. But yeah. Then. But yeah, Bath were really bad. Really bad. Really, really bad. What else I don't think I don't think say how much. Yeah, uh, I'm really sorry to Scarlet's fans because I said that 
Leinster were sort of going through the motions without really looking like their old selves. And uh, can I just say, yeah. though, palindromic scoreline klaxon. <laughs> Scarlet 25, Leinster 52. Yes. You don't see a lot of it. It's lovely to see. You, lo- you, you love to see it. You absolutely do. Um, yeah, I mean, Leinster are sort of taking the piss now, though, because they even went so far as to pick players from the sub-academy this week, which apparently is another academy below the regular academy because they finally appear to have exhausted their stocks of anonymous world-class teenagers at long last. So they had to break out, you know, they've, they've had to go into the extra supplies. Like when you sort of run out of the good toilet roll and you've got that sort of four pack that you bought in an emergency and it's like, well, I suppose I just have to break that now. Except I guess in Leinster's case, it's like, you know, you've got the as you know, you've got an endless supply of Asda quilted, and then you go, oh, I'll better go to the reserves, which is my Andrex quadruple ply balsam fucking yeah. scented shit. Well, I mean, I've, I've, ta- I've taken this toilet paper you, metaphor. I'm with you, though. I was with yeah. you all Biscuits, time. biscuits, right? It's like saying, oh, I've only got, I've run out of my M&S biscuits. I've only got Sainsbury's Taste the Difference left. Yeah. Oh, my heart, my heart bleeds. Yeah, because all my Ferrero Rochers are on international duty. <laughs> yeah, all, all my Victor's chocolate digestives are being used by Andy Farrell at the moment. So I've only got these M&S biscuits. Well, this chocolate digestives better than M&S biscuits? Interesting, interesting. Oh, Maybe some of the most controversial views you've ever expressed on this I'll podcast. tell you what, the chocolate, the chocolate digestive and the chocolate hot knob are absolutely print, argument print for biscuits. Yeah. Chocolate digestives used to be called home wheat, didn't they? I vaguely remember that, yeah. Because my wife wouldn't have it. I I'm going to tell her that you vaguely remember it. I vague, I'm I sure I vaguely remember that, yeah. Do you also remember when chocolate-rich teas were a thing? No. Oh, a really good biscuit, chocolate-rich tea. I think it's a much, a much maligned biscuit, the rich tea. It is. And I tell you what, I remember chocolate-rich teas being fucking brilliant. You know what and I became obsessed with because somebody brought me some back from America? What? Graham crackers. Oh, yeah. Which they call Graham crackers because they don't know how to pronounce Graham. Which are kind of shit. <laughs> Aren't they basically like... They're like a rich digest- thing. But are they are like a rich chewy, really. Okay. I always look, to look at them, I always assumed that they were sort of like... And they come in sheets. Perforated yeah. sheets which you can break. <laughs> or eat them as one big sheet if you feel like... That's what I was going to say. That's 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 more. That's interesting because I always seemed that they were more of a sort of digestive. I've never, I don't think I've ever had one, but I always assumed they were more digestive than rich tea. Do you know what I can like eat? Like chain smoking, I eat them so badly. Yep. And the kids like think I'm pathetic for liking yep. them so much. Like fruit and oak oat cookies. Oh yeah, like the taste of it, like the buttery fruit and oat cookies. Honestly, I can do like a bo- a pack of twelve. Oh, absolutely like inhaled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, any biscuit, <laughs> I could, but particularly chocolate digestives, chocolate hobnobs in particular, the Prince of Biscuits. I could, I could eat an entire packet. There's a reason. I'm sure it's because of me that chocolate hobnobs come in a slightly smaller packet than. All other biscuits because I can't be trusted. 
basically. So they've had to I, do that. I'm one of the only people who, you know, that the companies on the snide make things smaller but keep at the same price. Yes. Like Coke bottles became 1.75 litres rather than two. Constrict. Yep. And Hagen Dars went from 500 mil to 400 mil. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm one of the few people who's happy they went to 400 mil because it means I eat 100 <laughs> mil ice cream, 100 mil less ice cream in one sitting. So that, that makes me, I'm actually quite happy. I know it's nanny statism, but I need to be controlled. Honestly, I need to be way. controlled. I need to, someone needs to help me from my, and save me from myself. And <laughs> yes, indeed. if it's the government, so be it. Yeah, if it's a sugar tax or something, please help me out. Yeah. I'm like a drowning man in need of a life raft. <laughs> right, so what are we talking about? Like that's, so all of that ends up that Leinster won. There you go. Yeah, Leinster, what, they were a bit scary, let's be honest. And it kind of, once again, reinforces the weird notion that they look better without their best players. Unbelievable. Uh, what else have we got from the weekend? Anything? Um, Leicester really. lost again. Yeah, Leicester lost again. Kind of, the, the, the pendulum is sort of swinging again, isn't it? Although, to be fair, you know, Sale were very good for their value. Nobody cares this year. There's going to be no relegates this year, is there? Well, this is the thing. It's, a lot of people have sort of surmised that that's why John Thomas got promoted at Worcester. Yeah. Like, because... It's a bye were... year. Yeah, basically. <laughs> the, um, lots to talk about the championship and its lack of funding. They see Amptil put out a, put a thing on Twitter the other week saying yeah, it, it, was... it, it cost 120 grand to get all the COVID testing doing, so they're asking for money, basically saying... If any sponsors or rich well, people can give us some money to, so we can start the season, yeah. Well, you know they're basically looking at a situation where none of the money that they've been given by the government is actually grants; it's all loans. Yeah. So, and they've got to find a way of paying that back somehow. Oh, our old friend, the small prince, is it? When we've read the agreement. <laughs> And, you know, they've got this money now. The money's been given to them, you know, and they're going to have to pay it back. But how are they going to, you know, if, as has been sort of mooted, you know, they're going to be 50 grand in the red before they've even, you know, by setting foot on a pitch, it's going to cost, they're going to be 50 grand down beyond what they are going to get back in sort of revenue and TV and everything else. Like... It does create a situation where the championship season has to happen now because they've been given this money, but it could be the breaking of quite a few clubs. It's pretty rough. Well, it was pretty rough anyway. They've had a funding cut. We talked yeah. about this last year, didn't we? They've had a funding cut massively, and everyone's going, well, where the fuck all the World Cup money gone? But um, but I think um, Still like to know I'm, I'm kind of torn with the championship. It's difficult because a bit like... A bit like it's very, very obvious that English football cannot sustain four professional leagues and at some point somebody's going to wake up and have to realise that. Uh-huh. And I know yeah. that. My team's in the fourth division, as was fucking mm-hmm. League Two, as it's called now. What a fucking joke that is. But anyway, um, I do think there's something about the championship. It's saying it should be properly funded, but but how and by who? Is it just... Unless you start getting into kind of feeder, league, feeder club scenarios with bigger clubs and it's stuff. Kind of- it's we've kind of reached the point where we are having to think about that sort of stuff, surely, because and the for every like talk of sort of 
you know, the romantic notion of an Amptil, you know, coming up and, and being in the championship for the or first time. Or just having, a, you know, a, semi, yeah. a very good lower level yeah. league. Yeah, of course yeah. you want it. But if you can't sustain it, then yeah. it... And it's like, but you know, like the Premiership is going to ring fence for as much as people like to talk about, you know, Bristol and Exeter and all of this sort of stuff. The only reason they are where they are is because very, very rich people decided to make them that way. Mm. And there's no fucking romance in that. It's not, <laughs> it's not, you know, that's not romantic. It's they got up with good hard fucking cash. And so in, when. Push comes to shove, the Premiership is going to get ring fenced at thirteen or fourteen if fucking Ealing can buy their way in. And then what? You know. Well, I think then you you have at best a semi-professional championship. Yeah. And everyone talks about how do you develop players if it's not that. I just think that that's just the reality. I think one a lot of players will probably get scooped up and hoovered into A teams of pro clubs. Yeah. Or you'll get the odd one, usually a (laughs) twenty-eight-year-old prop. Yeah, exactly. A late bloomer. Yeah. You know, there are plenty of good, you know, players who got spotted in the championship and made their, you know. And they'll probably be very, very good players who can't make a living at it anymore. Yeah. And And I just think that's the reality of it, really. And that is the the horrible thing that we don't, that nobody really wants to confront. And I understand it because, you know, it's horrible to think that there are professional players who are good enough to play professional rugby and are good enough to make a living out of this sport that we all like. And they just, there's no fucking room for them. It's a numbers game. They're perfectly good enough to do it. But, you know, Mm. the same, you know, in a much less sort of severe way, you know, this is what's you know, going to happen in Wales next season, you know, because of the way the Pro 14 is being restructured, there's going to be significantly fewer games played during international periods, which means that, you know, most squads are probably going to be cut between six to ten players next season. And those players will have played perfectly well this season and those players will have given a very good account of themselves and, but their contracts are up or they're not good enough. You know, they're not as good as the people, the sort of other 36 or so that are left. And they'll be, they'll be out of, tag and cross. Yeah, they'll be, they'll be playing semi-pro rugby or they'll be, you know, trying to get some cash in France or in Japan or try, trying to catch on with a premiership club or something like that. You know, it's, it's a horrible situation where the supply outstrips the demand. But rugby is, you know, rugby is sort of, adopted this approach that like as long as there are enough prem, you know play, good enough professional players that rugby can just keep expanding and expanding and expanding but the reality is you know there will be a, a point where we cannot afford it anymore and we're probably long past that well rugby can't survive on its revenue alone can it no that's i mean i think a lot of sports that's true of a lot of sports of course but football is the obvious example. But the thing about football is it's so kind of glam and wonderful that there's and and there's people all over the globe who want to mm. chuck a load of money at it. Or, or if you don't want to chuck a load of money at it, the income from it means you can probably just about survive and keep your head above water if you're a Bournemouth or a yeah. Rugby you know. is an incredibly niche sport. You know, yeah. Football, you're in the Premiership for a year. You'll probably, you know, bring in, you know, thirty to fifty million quid. 
You make a reasonable plan to not spunk a load of money. Yeah. Accept the fact you might go down again. Enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Don't enjoy, bankrupt yourself. In enjoy the, the parachute payments and you will basically be set for 10 years, if not more, if not for the rest of the future of your club, if you're very, very smart with how you spend and invest. There's no such equivalency in rugby. You can win the fucking Champions Cup and you don't earn that much money. And I think there's so little money. I'm not a big... I like the romance of promotion, but I take Me your too. point about Exeter's money and that's what sports should be. But at the end of the day, there's not enough money in rugby to not be able to, to create a situ to allow a situation where you can't create a three to five year plan. Yeah. And then you might lost lead for two years and then get it back, you know, have a year four break even plan or whatever, which is perfectly feasible, isn't it? Yeah. But you can't do but you can't do it if you think you might get relegated. No. There's also not relegations completely out of sinks. If you get promoted, you, unless you're a fucking bajillionaire like Bristol, you've got you're fighting for anyway. We're going forever this with this. No, exactly. But it, it's shit. But it is the situation that rugby finds itself in. You know, it is still such a niche sport that, as discussed at the top of this podcast, you know, it's throwing itself, you know, at the feet of horrendous regimes for profit. And given that, you know, what CVC did with Formula One in that regard, I don't think we've seen the back of that or the last of that by any stretch of the imagination. You know, what rugby is prepared to do to get money in will probably not be to everyone's taste in the next few years, but the reality is there is not enough money to go around. And some some things are going to have to fucking fall by the wayside somewhere. Speaking of that, this podcast ought to fall by the wayside at some point, so should we do shit good? Fucking hell, yeah, we probably should, shouldn't we? Let's start with shit. You got any shit? Um, Are we going to the to the gallery? Shit was, both shit and good, was uh, Lawrence Dalio's backwards Kangol hat. Tom uh, Dare was the first one I had from Twitter, he said the same. He said, what hell. the utter bloody fuck is this? He said, I know it's low-hanging fruit, but especially on Dalio." But he couldn't look more midlife crisis if he was sat in a Ferrari trying to catch the attention of a glamour model. It was such a weird choice. Hi, I'm Date Lol. Nice to meet you. It me. was very Date Lol. It was very Date Lol. But the thing is, right, you can. The Kangol cap does not I wouldn't necessarily... like to actually see what actual Date Lol looks like. I think that'd be no, far too, too dark, according terrifying. to reports. Yeah. Yeah, no. I did. Uh, I hated myself for enjoying. Uh, Austin Healy wearing a backwards Kangol hat on yes. ahead of Craig Doyle did it as well, of course. Yeah, tonight. I mean, at least I mean they it all... was aching to have. It was what aching was to have... yeah. How did he think that was going to go? Does he not have a beanie? Like, I understand it was cold. It was a cold nose. Your ears, your ears either. Does it have to be worn that way around as well? Does the Kangol hat have to be worn backwards? Can he not just wear it? Did he? Think that he picked where, up like a flat cap or something. Where do you even get those from anymore? This That's is twenty twenty one. That's a really good point. Where do you get? A, I'm going to see how much and where from you get a Kangol hat. Is he from. on Depop? Do you think in the 1990s section? <laughs> uh, I mean, there's one on Wish, but that's fake. Let's be honest. <laughs> I mean. You can buy a lot of Kangol like fishermen's hats, but the classic Kangol kind of bucket hat type thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the classic Kangol 
flat cap. Exactly. It's, it's quite, it seems Last seemingly worn by quite LL hard. Cool J at some point. Yeah. You know, Samuel Jackson wore a lot of them in the 90s and early 2000s. I mean, there's a theme there, and it's a theme that definitely implies that... Lawrence shouldn't get involved. Lawrence should definitely not get involved. <laughs> so I, random more than anything. Yeah. So the flat cap, it's, you know, it's yours for, for about 50 quids. If you want one, they they do it in various colours. He's not, he's older than me, Lawrence, but he's 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 of my sort of age, and I know, yeah. I find myself sometimes thinking I'd like to mix up the way I dress a bit. Yeah, yeah, we've all been there. But you know, you know, do I drift into a slightly different cut of jean? Yeah. What about these trainers? It is more difficult the older you get. You start thinking you want to start looking like a right twat. I don't think I'm dressing as a twenty-year-old and stuff. So I appreciate that he's probably trying and how difficult it is, but that's not the way to go. He can afford a stylist, can he? Yeah, surely. This is what, that's what it reeked of to me. Was yeah, maybe that's the problem. Someone, right. has, someone has styled him. Or if you go, I'm a, I've joined those sites where they send you clothes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's a question, because again, trying to change things a bit. And there's a question where you can say, how, there's literally a question when you fill it in your profile. You like click things you like the look of and whether you like colors and stuff. And then there's a bit of saying, you know, how dare, it's not, it doesn't say this, but it's like, how daring are you willing to be? How much are you willing to give something a try? <laughs> and you have to grade it like one to 10. Maybe he's put like nine and thought, fuck it. Yeah. And that's what they've sent him. And he's going, well, I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> Well, let's find. Let's keep an eye on his wardrobe over the coming months. Yeah, see what he's wearing next see week. If he's, yeah, when he's, see what his, he's, his he's next been box sent from, from Stitch Fix or yeah. whatever. <laughs> uh, Silk shirt is it this week, Lawrence? Looking good. <laughs> Interesting choice. All right. <laughs> oh, boot cut. They're back in, are they, Lawrence? Fair mm-hmm. enough. Mm-hmm. Oh, I watched the location, location, location. Like twenty years on highlight show. Oh, I bet there was a lot of boot Long cut story there. short, there was they were shopping for a couple in Jersey in yep. 2005, and the jean shirt on the bloke was <laughs> fucking incredible. And then they came back, and he had a he had a hybrid mullet. Of course, he did. And they said, and two years later, we visited them again, and his fucking hair. Two years later, he was basically he was perfectly walking the same line as Gavin Henson. So they went back <laughs> in 2007, and he had like that kind of you know. It's not a mod cut, but you know, over the years. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, horrific. Amazing. Still in jean shirt, though. Obviously. obviously. That's never going to change. Jean shirt never dies, it just evolves. As you know, uh, by International Day in Cardiff. Absolutely. Uh, we were shit gooding, weren't we? Yeah, what we got on else you got on shit? Uh, just Jonathan Joseph's attempt at tackling <laughs> Semi Randranda. I mean, Josh, Josh Matavesi, by the way, can count himself very lucky that Joseph took the bulk of the heat for that because his fucking half-assed attempt to be the last defender was pathetic. He might as I well mean, have just sat down. it was very down. late in the game and it, it was all over. There is a point where you're just going to go, fuck this. I, it was 38 points down. It wasn't that late in the game, though. That was the thing. It was well, only like... Of... It was at the start of the second half. It just had 10 minutes. Well, not late in the game in terms of the score. It was like, nothing's happening here. Game was gone. Absolutely. Yeah. I, don't, I mean, I don't the England bl- squad on Monday. I don't blame anybody for making a business decision in those situations. I'm in the shadow squad. I've been yeah. parachuted into fucking Arnhem on Monday. <laughs> I might get demoted to the sub academy if I'm not careful. <laughs> the shadow shadow squad. Oh dear. Uh, yeah, it was a hell of a business decision, though. 
beautiful. Just, I'm just about, the most after you, sir. Beautiful example of the genre you will ever see <laughs> is what that was. Incredible. A perfect mixture of somebody who's normally good at defending, loads yeah. of points down against yeah. a monster. It's yeah. the absolute perfect. And and it being slight, uh, slightly important. Like if he had stepped in, at best he would have grabbed a bit of his jersey. And then if got he mangled lucky. in this trampling that would have yeah, happened. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, torn a fucking bicep or something. <laughs> because it was a, a funny angle. So he basically went, yeah. He did the maths in his head. Yeah. Computer says, fuck that. <laughs> Computer says, nah, you're right. <laughs> Our survey <laughs> said. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> and to be fair, Semi was coming at a fucking rate of knots as well. Can you imagine? Honestly, that would be my... Joseph just did what came naturally to all of us, which yeah. is to get out of the way of a man running at you that big yeah, and that the fast. The same way I get out of the way of a threshing machine if it's moving <laughs> towards me. Um, right then. Toby Baker says, shit, is BT putting two games on at the same time each day, even when there's nothing else to do or broadcast? That does seem a little bit strange, doesn't it's just it? stupid. Unlike Premier League football, which is on 24 hours a day at the minute, it seems. We'll find Genuinely. out what happens in that game when it kicks off at 11.30 this evening <laughs> at White House, at the Tottenham Stadium. You're having your afternoon break at work. Here's some Premier League football at 3.45 in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, Phil Jones gets in touch. He says, shit, is Lavanini's quitting the Tigers for Claremont without giving Welford Road a real display? Of the shithousery in all his full glory. Look, there's still time. He was never really interested. No. Is he? He's not loving this stay at all. And why would you? There's still time for him to really. (laughs) Maybe that'll be his his coup de grace. Exactly. Why not? Uh, What else we got here? A rugby person says shit was Munster's performance for 10, from between minute 10 to 79 on Saturday, but good was Benetton's performance. Yes, they played very well, and I was quite gutted for Benetton that uh, JJ Nobody, popped up and drove that like drop a, goal. A unified will for all in all of rugby for Benetton to do well, isn't Surely. it? Surely, they're the little engine that could, and now they've got Paul Gustard on board. What more oh, they have, haven't they? He didn't yeah. struggle for a job for long, did he? Ooh. I'm going to Italy to frighten the shit out of them. <laughs> Also, got easy access to the Alps so he can go and live among his own kind in a yeah, forest exactly. somewhere. <laughs> um, Joe Taring says, shit is the sad loss of Josh to the big time now he's mates with Brian O'Driscoll. Yes. Yeah, I'm super big time now. Did you, did, you, did you get to banter back and forth with him? Uh, I think I did like one vaguely bantery reply and didn't respond. So I was like, yeah, hello. Yeah. He's obviously not a blue tick merchant though, because a lot of blue tick merchants only have allow allow replies by blue ticks. That's my dog. He's not happy maybe, about this whole well, situation just, at all. To be fair, maybe he is one of those, and maybe that's why he didn't see me because I am not one of his blue tick ilk. But how did he see you in the first place? Oh, he can see stuff. He just don't. You only see yeah. replies from blue. I still don't know. He saw it. Interesting stuff. Mm. Maybe Deeps. he's name searching Jonathan Joseph because of how bad. Maybe that he's name searching Josh Gardner. Maybe. That's where he gets all his information from. I said some pretty unfriendly things about him in 2013. <laughs> uh, Deeps says, shit is uh, Bath. Oh, yeah. But good was Marcus Smith. He says, but shit is the prospect of Bruce Craig luring Marcus Smith away from Quinn's to Bath 
with a Wario-style pile of money. Yeah, I mean, because Smith's not going to Montpellier now. That's the, the goss, right? Because they want JJ Handran instead. I mean, why wouldn't you? Well, indeed. Give it a free um, choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he feels like a Bath player, doesn't he? You know, he does, he does. In that he's on the fringes of the England squad. This is a perfect little picture of his career, by the way. One game like this every 12 to 16 weeks. Yeah. Which will keep yeah. people going, well, you can't forget about Marcus Smith, can you? <laughs> Apart from in all those games in between. In the 12 to 16 weeks in between those games. Indeed. Russell Norton says that shit is the Chernobyl-level radioactive shit that was wasps. Again, you know, it was a weird one. It's a weird game. It's a weird league. And they were missing an awful lot of players because of England for once. Yeah, I think a lot of stuff will end up being that way. Any more shits for you before we move on? No, no. Moving on to good, any good? Uh, I mean... Dan Liddy at Wales 8? Yeah, I I think we covered most of it. It's mainly my goods are mainly laughing at Stephen Jones. So, <laughs> yeah. Turns out that people can fucking read. <laughs> and did you know there's a thing called copying and pasting? I didn't fucking know what that was. <laughs> um, Woggers gets in touch. This is good now. Woggers yeah. gets in touch. He says good. Is DAZN a stream in the Six Nations in Canada? So I get to watch it. He said, nice. also, they don't do halftime analysis, so I don't have to listen to that garbage. Yeah, that's the fucking dream. Perfect. Right there, that is it? the dream. That's what you want. All the rugby, none of the chat. Phil Lewis, the source pot, gets in touch and he says, Good is despite COVID's best efforts, the Six Nations is going ahead, but I still foresee it getting shit canned at some point, but at least it's going to start. Yeah, we haven't spoken about that, but I am not optimistic about the Six Nations. I think it will with the testing regimes and everything now. I think the only thing that might put a span on the works is if France have a have a Benny. Yeah. But uh, I think it'll be all right. I hope so. Rugby Quinns gets in touch. Says, good, I enjoyed a Harlequins game for the first time in a long, long time. And Andre Esterhazen is a beast. Agreed. Agreed. Hard agree. Who's the coach at Harlequins now? Did Nick did did Nick Smith take over for the week? Uh, isn't it something to do like they're just leaving it as was? So it was all the assistants. So right. it's Adam Jones and uh, Jay Flannery, right? Basically, just kind of carrying on as was. It's not Nick Smith, is it? Is Nick ex All Black fly off play for Quins? Oh, uh, can't remember his surname. Uh, Fuck. What's Nick Smith. Nick I Evans. Work with. Nick, Nick Evans. Evans. Yeah. Nick Smith's somebody I work with. So it's not yeah. him. He's definitely not doing that. I saw him at a meeting this morning. Um, yeah. Uh, Nick Evans is involved as well, I think. Yeah. So it's the three of the, It's like a three man brain trust. Because yes. he was doing the post match interviews, Nick Evans, wasn't he? Nook. Yeah, he was. Uh, Matt Merrick gets in touch. He says, Good is London Irish getting a Premiership rugby record with a starting pack that had 402 international caps across Augustine Creevy, Sakopi Kepu, Steve Maffey, Rob Simmons, Sean O'Brien, Albert Tuasui, plus the uncrapped Will Goodrick Clark. He's got Shadow Squad written all over him, by the way. And Matt Rogerson. They also had 97 caps on the bench. That's some magnificent research in Matt and a magnificent submission. Thank you very much. 
Bath Bites gets in touch. He says that Good is the free is seeing free free flowing rugby, keeping the board alive, and being adventurous while playing with smiles on their faces. But shit is that it was Bristol that was doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Owen Glendor says Good is BT Spurts talking during the game. Bristol versus talking during the game and the Bristol game back to Stuart, such a nice young man, Hooper, and ask him why do you keep kicking it to Randrandra? <laughs> said, but shit was Hooper did not reply. I'm fucked if I know. I mean, yeah, it would have been. There were some really bad kicking. I mean, we could talk about Bath, but some of their decision making was fucking baffling. I mean, it Bristol was. were playing very well, and they, they were are playing very well, emerging into a very, very good team. But uh, they are, yeah. Curtis Neese gets in touch. He says, good was our Lord and Saviour, Piers Francis. Yeah. Who knew? Who'd have thought? Hugo Gordon says, good is Harry Byrne, another Byrne, who continues to show signs of his potential long-term replacement for Sexton. Patricia says, good is JJ Hanrahan's last-minute winning drop goal, even if it did make me feel a little bit bad for Benetton. Yes. Yeah, it did make me feel very... Made me feel bad, but I don't really want Monster to win, so... No, well, especially against Benetton. Yeah, it's like morally, who's who's in charge there? A Baikur Mugger Dog gets in touch and says the BBC Six Nations preview was good by virtue of being completely batshit. I refer oh, yes. you back to our previous discussion about Scott Quinnell predicting Wales are going to win. I haven't actually seen it. Would you like to see what what Wales is? What Scott Quinnell's preferred table is for the, what his predicted table for the Six Nations Wales is. top we know that Wales top France England Ireland Scotland Italy it's just not going to happen where's he getting that from through his his mad patriotic brain <laughs> through that little tiny walnut that rattles round in the head of his <laughs> Nathan Brew predicted England France Ireland Wales Scotland Italy yeah. Again, I'd call that optimistic. Uh, <laughs> uh, Elna Snow still predicted France, England, Ireland, Wales, Scotland, Italy. Again, I think saying Wales are going to finish above Scotland this year is fucking mental. Um, and yeah, and Scott Quinnell is fucking bonkers. <laughs> and is God bless just, him. Just go, yeah, I wouldn't mind that. See, what I know is he doesn't actually believe that. No, he just, just assumes. He, he just feels gets given the need, his lines. He improvises he this character, doesn't he? To be, is this what we see? You know, he's become a caricature. Bless him. Uh, Matt Herbert gets in touch and says, "Good as Northampton finally seems to be shaking off the rotten form of 2020, but we'll probably get stuffed next week again and lose all the confidence." Johnny McGinty says, "Good is that it's Calcutta Cup week, but shit is that it's Calcutta Cup week." <laughs> Yeah. Ah, the excitement pinged with the impending shame. We all I, I think. I think my my. You know, I said the other like my Sunday a couple of weeks ago was like a weirdly excellent Sunday because all my teams won. Yes. Like this Sunday is going to be like. Oh, it's a Super shit. Bowl as well, isn't it's it? Super Bowl Sunday. Super Bowl Sunday. We're definitely going to lose the two. Are you staying up? Oh, yeah. day off. Yeah. I'm going to stay up until four o'clock in the morning to watch my team lose in the Super Bowl. After having watched Wales get battered at home by Ireland that afternoon. Uh, Halkerich gets in touch and said, is that Semir Andrandra try? Woof, he said. But also, funny, good, was Nathan Hughes was audibly laughing as he ran into contact in the second half. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan oh, Hughes has got team. what I would call 
a sort of howling mad Murdoch haircut at the moment. Hasn't he just? Like, yeah. he's got the haircut of a man that doesn't give a fuck anymore. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for it. And finally, Robbie Masterson says that good is Finn Russell juggling tennis rackets. That was very impressive, actually. <laughs> Nothing that man can't do. No, it's very impressive. I don't know what it means to him as a rugby player. Yeah. Madness game plans. Uh, carving stone. Yeah. Juggling tennis rackets. And balls at the same time. You've got to give it to him. You've got to give it to him. That brings us to the end of this podcast. And we will speak to you next week after... um, Well, well, just think about it, Josh. Next Monday when we're recording this, you will be sleep-deprived and both your teams will have been fucking battered. Yeah. It's going to be fucking peak, Josh. Imagine the mood I'm going to be in. Peak, Josh. It'll be... It'd be better than that time you did it jet lagged after no sleep for about thirty six hours. Oh yeah, that was funny. I don't remember any of that. Uh, tell you what, the way I tell you what, we normally would have have to have you replaced, wouldn't we, at some point? But you oh yeah, I would go anywhere. So yeah, I would have basically been in California right now, now, now and last week. We've had to have Mike on ranting and raving about how yeah, nothing's yeah. a foul anymore and COVID's yeah. a problem. Bless him. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, you Thank get you, me. Josh. Nothing but me. Nothing Not but Josh. Sleep deprived, miserable Josh next week. Oh, yeah. Everyone, it's what you pay your Patreon money for. Oh, Speak yeah. to you all soon. Goodbye. So long. Sports Social Podcast Network.